Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Hope you enjoyed your holiday, hopefully with family. I must confess my favorite holiday is Christmas. And I got to tell you that when I was growing up, next to the gifts and family, the thing that I looked forward to the most was the food. Does anybody else have that experience? Say. So I come from a Caribbean background, Cuban and Jamaican. So believe me, I was really happy to get down there in South Carolina where my parents are. Now my wife and I, we often talk about how we grew up celebrating the holidays. And for my wife and I, there are some similarities in our stories and also some differences. But in my wife's experience, when she was growing up, the holidays represented for her family a day off to get some stuff done around the house that she didn't get to do before. Oh, you're off. Okay. We'll get to the food later when the, you know, company comes over, but, but, but I got some things for you to do. And so for DJ, before we met, the holidays kind of represented work. And for me, it was similar but different. For me, we did have the family coming over and we did have, you know, some things that we had to do. It was more in preparation for the company that was coming that day. But the hardest part, when it came to the holidays for for me, in my experience, and similarly to Deidre, is that the dinner that everybody was coming over to that was supposed to start at four or at five, didn't start till six or seven. And the way that my parents were doing it is, we're not going to open those gifts until after the company has left. Oh, wait a minute. And you've cleaned up when the company has left. And then we're going to open gifts. So by basically midnight, your friends are calling you all day while you're working and preparing for the company to come over. Hey, oh, man, we had a great time. We sang some songs. We talked about the Christmas story. And man, I got a brand new whatever. And you're like, so what'd you get, CJ? Still waiting. Still waiting. Well, here's something else that was very interesting. I told you that more so than gifts, I was really looking forward to that food. How many of you know that while I was preparing for the company that was coming over and doing this and doing that, I was smelling some food? that was cooking in the kitchen. Some of you might be thinking about that right now, especially with that subliminal message coming off the screen, right? And you could just smell the seasonings and the the baked cakes and breads, and you could just smell some beautiful aromas coming from the kitchen. And as you smell that, you start to get hungry. Hungry. Hungry to the point where you're distracted. Anybody ever been there? You're so hungry, you're distracted. All you can think of is food. You may be distracted right now. Okay? I want to confess to you today that I am hungry, family. I'm hungry. 
I'm hungry. And oftentimes, hunger involves waiting. You see, Jesus in Acts chapter 1, prior to where we're going to be today in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 1, by the way, if you're familiar with the story of Scripture, you're familiar with the gospel narrative, you're familiar with Jesus giving the great commission in what? Matthew chapter... Somebody shout it out. Matthew chapter... 28, thank you. But how many, how many of you guys know that Acts chapter 1 is also the Great Commission story? Luke, who wrote Luke, is, is also the writer of Acts. And he's telling you, he's, he's picking up, if you, read, if you read Luke, his first volume, chapter 24, he's picking up in Acts chapter 1, the same scene. Jesus is about to ascend. And Jesus gives some instructions to his disciples. One of the things he says is, wait. These are a group of people now that Jesus has walked with for three and a half years. He's now spent 40 days with them, going over again the kingdom of God and what that all means and what their mission is supposed to be. They're hungry to fulfill it, and Jesus says, wait. He says, you need the Holy Spirit. Go with me, verse 8 in Acts chapter 1. Just flip the page over. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says this, But you shall receive what? power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in where? Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. Now, family, what we just read was two things. Number one, this was the outline of the book of Acts. Jesus just told you how the rest of the book is going to read. He also just gave you the mission strategy for Vienna Seventh-day Adventist Church and every other body of Christ locally. What Jesus just said is, what you first need is the Holy Spirit. So you can't accomplish mission without the Spirit of God. The second thing you need to do is you need to start where you are. He says you need to start in Vienna, I mean in Jerusalem. And then you got to go out into the broader community, right? you got to go out into Judea. Then you got to go to Samaria and the ends of the earth. The book ends with Paul in Rome. And so Acts chapter 1 to 7 is everything that's happening in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 8, which is where we were in prayer meeting on Wednesday night, famous plug, we now transition into Samaria and Judea. And as it continues on, you find yourself in the other parts of the Greco-Roman world at that time. Jesus just outlined the book of Acts. As we understand, the story continues. Peter is now preaching in Acts chapter 2. The day of Pentecost has finally come. The Holy Spirit has been poured out in a miraculous and powerful way. And as he is preaching the gospel, Peter is not sugarcoating it. He's not preaching a soft sermon. He's preaching the grace of God. But when you preach the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, how many of you know it convicts you of your sin? He says, you crucified Jesus and you need to repent. It wasn't hey, you know, if you guys want to consider uh, letting Jesus possibly into your life and uh, he can make your life now much better than it currently is and he can bless you so you can name it, claim it, hang it up and frame it. He did not say any of that. He said, look, listen, your sin caused Christ to be... Matter of fact, you participated in the crucifixion. He's speaking to the people that actually were there saying, crucify him. And he says, you need to repent. And we pick up the story in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Go with me there. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. The Bible says this. It says, Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? 
when Peter said to them, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Here's the first question I have for you, family. Are you hungry for Jesus? That got no response, but maybe a couple people that know him over here. Are you hungry for Jesus? See, we're hungry for a lot of things. And let me, let, let me share something with you guys. Understand who Peter is talking to. Peter is talking to people that are awaiting Messiah. People that go to church on the Sabbath. And he says to them, repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That is the forgiveness of your sins. Family, are you hungry for Jesus? Have you ever been hungry and you don't know what it is you're craving? You've been hungry and you go, I don't know, do I want pizza? If you're from Jamaica, do I want ackee and saltfish? Do I want, do I want some vegan something? I, you know, do you, are you ever hungry but you don't quite know what it is you're craving? You just know you have an appetite for something. And I want to suggest to you, us in the first world don't really understand hunger. Really, what we really mean is we have an appetite for something. These people had a hunger, they had a thirst, and they didn't really understand at the time when Peter was preaching to them that what they really were hungry for was Jesus. These were people, these were Jews that had come for the celebration there in Jerusalem from all parts of the Greco-Roman world. These were religious people, these were not atheists, these were not agnostics, these were people that claimed to be awaiting the Messiah. And what they didn't realize is who they were really hungry for is the one they had crucified. They were hungry for Jesus. I want to suggest to you that you will never be fully satisfied with whatever you're using. Fulfill that hunger that you have inside of you, that crave, until you found your rest, until you found your satisfaction, until, can I say this, until you found your pleasure in Jesus. People have all kinds of issues and addictions and things that they're using to fill. As we've heard, many people say, that God-sized, that God-shaped hole in your heart. It will not be satisfied, hear me family, until you've found your satisfaction in Jesus. And that is not a boring, that is not a, a sad, depressing life. Life in Christ is to be lived abundantly. That doesn't mean you're not going to experience hardship or trial. It means that you're going to have peace, you're going to have joy, and you will have blessings in the midst of it. Are you hungry for Jesus? I've been a pastor now for just over four years. I am still hungry for Jesus. This was not a call to a momentary experience. Some of you have been baptized, maybe when you were pathfinders, maybe when you were a little bit older. Some of you were raised in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Some of you have come into the Seventh-day Adventist church and family recently in recent years. And you may have looked back to a time in the past. There were 3,000 people. And by the way, that was just counting men. So there was probably maybe 15,000 people there, if you include women and children, that are now brought into Christ's movement. And they may look back to that powerful moment on the day of Pentecost and they say, oh yes, I was hungry for Jesus then. 
I was called to repentance to receive grace then. I want to suggest to you that this call to repentance, this call to baptism, this call to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit is not just something you should look back to and go, that was a great moment then. Receiving Jesus is something that you should be experiencing every single day. Confession and repentance should be a part of your daily relationship with Jesus. Asking Jesus for the indwelling Holy Spirit. Come fill me now today. I need you today. I'm going to curse somebody out today. I need you, Holy Spirit. That is a daily experience in Christ. Are you hungry? It's 2018 and Jesus has not yet come and I'm ready to go home. Are you hungry? There is a hurting world today. I heard news just even this morning of some friends of mine. And I'm hungry, family. I'm hungry for Jesus. Oh, but some of us would look at this 3,000 you know, member conversion. Now let's go erect, some of us today in the 21st century, let's go now erect a mega church. Right? Let's immediately go and... Uh, pack everybody into a facility now and get the most state-of-the-art uh, uh, technology and so forth, correct? What happens to those that are hungry for Jesus, that were baptized? Well, let me tell you, family, the Bible says that when you are baptized into Jesus, it is not merely an individual experience. You are baptized into his family. You're baptized into his church. There is no such thing as a private spirituality. It, it, it is both this way and it's this way. So can you imagine me um, marrying my wife but wanting nothing to do with her family? Uh, can you imagine wanting to be in relationship with Jesus but wanting to have nothing to do with his bride? You see, being hungry for Jesus by extension, by implication means I am hungry for his mission. I am hungry for community. I'm hungry for relationship. I want to invite you now. Go with me to verse 42. Verse 42, the Bible says this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible says, And they continued, everyone say continued. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Go down to verse 46. The Bible says, so continuing, everyone say continuing. Daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Are you hungry for community? Are you hungry for community? And I'm not going to ask everybody, whoever is hungry for community, to raise your hand because I already know the answer. You guys know that statistically right now, we are the most connected generation, but the most disconnected generation. We are connected electronically, but we're sitting next to people that we really should be having conversation with and we're texting. We're, we're, we have all kinds of, of meaningful and less meaningful conversation on social media, but we're not having conversation with people that literally live next door, with, with friends that literally live in your city. We're not in genuine community. And I want to say this to you, family. Notice it says that they were uh, continuing in this experience, and this involved going to the temple. But did you notice it also said from house to house? And though it did mention the temple, remember they are in Jerusalem. These are Jewish Christians, Jewish converts to the Messianic faith. And here it is, 
because they're in Jerusalem, they had access to the temple. So yes, they were still going to the temple. But watch, if you read most of what's going on there later on in the chapter and later on in the book, the majority of church life was not in the temple. It was not in the synagogue, though they did go. You see, that was an accent. See, that was the celebration. That was when we came together. That was where the proclamation of the gospel took place. But family, community was taking place from house to house. It was happening in small relationships. Hello, small groups. At Vienna, we've called them grow groups, right? And so there's many labels we can call it, but at the end of the day, family, they were in community. Are you hungry for genuine community? And I want to say something to you today. There is temple experience. There is when we come to gather together in the corporate experience. But let me tell you, family, there is coming a time very soon when we will not have the privilege of this experience. So I want to suggest something to you. I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to enter into that small group community experience because guess what? There's coming a day where we're going to need to know how to do that. Why not start now? And I want to suggest to you today, there were 3,000 people that joined 120 people. So there's, um, at minimum, of course, I told you we've got to include the, the, the children and the, and, the, and the spouses. But at minimum there, there's 3,120 people. Right? Do you think that they were waiting to get to the temple to be in community together? To serve one another? To pray with one another? Do you think they were waiting for that? No, see... Christ and his community was a priority. Everything else came. Seek ye for, watch this guys. Jesus says, you're worrying about a lot of stuff. I preached about this a few months ago. And he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things that you're worrying about working for will be added. Now watch this. He said, seek first the kingdom, right? If there is a kingdom, therefore there must be a king. And so seek Christ, right? But how many of you know, by extension, the kingdom is everybody that's a part of the kingdom? Seek, did you hear what he's saying? Seek first Christ and his mission. And that's in the context of his people. That's in the context of community. Are you hungry? Are you hungry today? I had the privilege of going and visiting from house to house and uh, meeting with some of you. And uh, I, again, I, I don't need to take hands. I, I know we're hungry. I know we're hungry. I want to challenge you today. We need to enter into community. We have the opportunity here through our grow groups. And listen, we have some options for you. I'm grateful that we now have nine grow groups. Amen? But, 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 but I guarantee you that we literally can triple and quadruple that based on who I'm looking at right now. And so we're inviting you, take part of what is already present, but start one. Get together with friends. You know, there's some people that would more readily come to your living room than to this large room. Do you know that statistically, 98% of people that are not churched will not on their own grace this place. But the converse is true. 98% of those people, if they get to know you, a loving Christian, have no problem coming to your house. Hello. And we wonder how the early Christian church took over the Greco-Roman world. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for community? Come with me to verse 43. Come with me to verse 43. The Bible says this. It says, Then fear 
Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. Now here's what I want to tell you it's not saying, and then I'm going to tell you what it's saying. Is that okay? This was not a... A, a, a forced, obligatory type experience where they said, hey, let's all get in the commune and everybody just kind of sell your stuff, give it to me. Today that raises kind of cultic flags to a lot of people. Hello? These are people that are moved by the Holy Spirit. They see needs that are happening in their community. And they, that, by the way, the fact that they were still meeting from house to house said that some people still had their homes. You follow that? And so not everybody sold their stuff. You follow that? So people that were moved with that spirit that comes from the Holy Spirit of generosity and they saw needs, they said, this person needs a car, hello. This person needs a job. This person needs some clothes. This person just had a baby. And they said, I'm going to meet that need because of the Spirit of God is moving within me. How many of you guys know that when you receive Jesus Christ, you also receive gifts of the Spirit? Gifts of the Spirit are for the purpose of ministry. So here's the question, family. Are you hungry to serve? I didn't say if you want to serve. I didn't say if you feel ob uh, obliged to serve because the pastor just talked about serving. Are you hungry to serve? Because what I see here is a people that are so hungry to serve that they said, you know that, 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 that house that we have? Let's sell it. I want to go to an apartment. I need more money for the kingdom. I want to live more of a minimalistic life so that I can have more funds to do more service. There's needs that need to be met. And this is not just talking about us selling our goods and now making a big offering. This is now dealing with, do you have the spiritual gift of helps? Can you sing? It, you know, can, can, what, what has God gifted you to do for purpose, for the purpose of the kingdom of God? There was this girl when I was in seminary at Andrews University. Her name is Jean. And uh, Jean was the kind of person, you know, we went to a lot of potlucks when we were at Andrews University. And there were a lot of people um, that weren't the best cooks. So wherever there was, a, there was this potluck hopping kind of culture at Andrews University, okay? And so when I was there, we were at this one potluck, one of several that we would go to. And this girl, Jean, she would be invited to your potluck, right? And when she comes to your potluck, the first thing she does is she says, where's the kitchen? Oh, it's, it's, it's right over here. She says, okay, what do you guys need? Who needs, who needs placemats? You need placemats? Okay, where, where, are the, where are the cups? Let me get the cups. Okay, are, are, are you good? Is the food ready? Look, can I serve the food? She did that at every single potluck. So by, by the time the potluck was over, we were like, Gene, did you eat? Gene, I'm too busy serving. You see, the Bible says that that's called the gift of hospitality. It's a gift. It's not an obligatory thing. Some people just have an extra dose of it. You, you, you feel what I'm saying? And let me give you another illustration. Um, all of us are called to evangelize. Do you know that? All of us are called. We're going to talk about it in a second. All of us are called to make disciples, amen, of the people that are in our spheres of influence. However, some people have the gift of evangelism, that the Holy Spirit has endowed them with an extra dose of this, that ability to win people to Christ. And so there's some things that we all generally can partake in, but you know there's an extra ounce of something when you see this person that has this extra 
gifting in this particular area. Jean had the gift of hospitality. She came to your potluck to serve you. That's literally what she, am I right, Deidre? Well, she's not here. She's with Tommy. But let me, she came to your potluck to get your food to serve you. And she was happy doing that. I want to suggest something to you, and I'm not even suggesting, I'm, this is straight up Bible, okay? You have been given, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are, and by the way, I want you to understand very clearly what I'm saying to you today, family. There is a difference between being a member of a local church and a follower of Jesus Christ. Those two should not be actually separate. Those two should really go hand in hand. But here's the, here's the thing. You can be a member on the roll and not be a follower and not be hungry and not be using your spiritual gifts. By the way, no, I'll, say this, I'll, I'll save this for later. See, I'm, I'm so hungry, I'm getting ahead of myself. But I, want to, I want to suggest to you today that you have been gifted these spiritual gifts. And by the way, a lot of people are frustrated because they're not operating in the area of their gifting. Bless you. Sometimes we are like squares trying to put ourselves into a circle. And you're frustrated, and you don't know why you're frustrated. Well, guess what? Maybe you need to do a spiritual gift evaluation and inventory. Align yourself in the area where you really are gifted, and you'll find you are so fulfilled. Like my friend Gene, you're going to go to somebody's potluck and go, hey, what can I get you? Because you have that gift. Because the love of God is filling you, and you just want to now serve other people. Is that all right? Lastly, please, go with me now as we come to to our conclusion here in verse 47 the bible says this praising god and having favor with all the people and the lord added to the church daily those who were being saved i'm going to ask the holy spirit to help me here because again i want you to understand what it said and what it didn't say did you notice it didn't say that the apostles who were gifted preachers added daily those that were being saved? Did you notice that? Did you notice it didn't say Pastor CJ, because of his amazing gifts of communicating the gospel, like all kinds of people just started coming into the church. You notice it didn't say that? It didn't say um, that Peter or Paul, right? Who did it say was adding? It said the Lord was adding. This may be a game changer for us here. But do you know that evangelism is actually primarily the work of Christ? Here's what I'm going to say. There are people in your spheres of influence, right? In your, maybe in your career, in your neighborhood, in your family. People that are in your life right now. I know, I know what I'm saying to you, family. There are people right now in your family that Jesus is working on. Jesus, you may be sitting next to them. They may be in the pew. Jesus is working on them, and he's simply asking you to join him in what he's doing. So really, the challenge for us is not to put witnessing and evangelism on like a, like a cloak you put on today and take it off tomorrow because you just don't feel like witnessing, quote-unquote. This flows out of your daily experience with Jesus to where you're asking him, Jesus, show me today where you're working and let me join you there. What I'm basically saying to you, family, and I hope this liberates somebody today, is that this is more organic than you think. 
It's in the streams of the flow of your life. Are you hungry, family, for multiplication? Multiplication. Notice I didn't say addition. I said, are you hungry for multiplication? What am I saying? What I'm saying to you, and maybe the praise team wants to get prepared at this point, these were, and this is where I'm, this is where I'm going today, family, these were followers of Jesus. These were what? Followers of Jesus. Sometimes we use those terms today, and it just glosses over us. We don't really get what it's saying. We've heard it so much it becomes cliche. What that meant is, and watch this, family, Jesus was not just the message. Jesus was both model and method. I'm going to say it again. Jesus was not just the heart of the message. Jesus was also the model and method. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28, verse 18 and 20? He said, go and make what? He said, go and make disciples, i.e. followers of Jesus, right? Okay, now, he told that to who? His disciples. So the question then becomes, what did Jesus do to make disciples? And here's what I want to say to you today. If you want a really cool, fascinating study, take Matthew chapter 3 towards the end when Jesus is baptized and compare that with the follow-up, and also Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus starts his ministry in verse 12, and compare that with what we're reading today in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 down to 47. And you'll notice a very interesting parallel and connection. Everything that you see happening here that we're, just, that we're talking about here in Acts chapter 2, literally was a duplicate of what happened in the actual life of Jesus. Follow this, Matthew chapter 3. Jesus goes to the Jordan. He's not repenting because of any sin that he's committed. He's giving us an example, amen? He says to fulfill all righteousness, amen? Okay, but he gets baptized, right? When he comes out of the water, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes down and anoints him because Messiah meant anointed one or anointed king. It's identifying him as now having received the Holy Spirit as Messiah. His career, his ministry as Messiah is beginning. That's the announcement. God the Father speaks, identifies him as his son, that he is well pleased in before he did any work. That's a sermon right there. Look at the day of Pentecost. The church is, is baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Your baptism and the subsequent infilling of the Holy Spirit is your ordination into ministry family. The Holy Spirit gifts you with spiritual gifts for the purpose of serving and ministering in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm Jesus there in Matthew chapter 4, right after he's baptized, he immediately goes into ministry. He starts preaching. He starts communicating the gospel. Those that respond, he starts to form community. He starts getting disciples. He's journeying primarily with Matthew, no, yeah, with, with Peter, James, and John, the three. And then he forms a group of 12. And then there's kind of people on the periphery that are following him as well. But he forms community and he does life with them. He eats with them. Is it sounding familiar? He prays with them. They watch him pray. He models prayer for them. Um, They're in community. He does life with them. Then you also see in Matthew 
24, uh, Matthew chapter 4, towards the end, in verse 24 as well, you start to see that he starts to do ministry based on how the Spirit is gifting him. He heals people, right? He casts out demons. He starts to serve. And then at the end of Matthew 24, it talks about all those people that started becoming followers of Jesus from all the surrounding region. The, the, the early church literally were following the ways of Christ. They were, they, they, were, they, they were preaching him as the message. But they were also saying he's the way. That's why in, he's literally the model and the method. That's why they called them the way in the book of Acts before they ever called them Christians in, in chapter 11. And so my question to you today is, are you, are you, are you hungry? I know we're about to eat potluck, not that hungry. Are you hungry for Jesus? Like, like really, you don't have to fake with me. Are you really hungry for Jesus? You can go to church and not be hungry for Jesus. You know that, right? Like the devil's like, oh yeah, you can go to church, just dismiss Jesus in the process. Are you really hungry for him? Are you hungry for what he's hungry about? Are you entering into community with other people that are hungry for Jesus? Some of us are trying to do this thing on our own and it's not working. We were never intended to do this walk individually. I got my Bible. I got my Sabbath school quarterly. I got whatever. I'm serving in the ministry. I'm good. See, that, that, and that feels like, it, it can make you feel like you're good, right? But here's the thing. You don't allow anybody to enter into your life. You don't allow anybody to know who you really are. You know, sometimes we don't want people to get that close to us. Hello. Because if they really see who we are, they might reject us. They might judge us. You know what was so compelling about this movement in the early church? Is that people that entered that community were loved into that community. Watch this. It was okay that you were not okay. Because Jesus was who made you okay. And as they, as they clustered around Jesus, they began to grow in grace. You've noticed I've been saying happy Sabbath in different languages when I begin to preach, when I'm, when I'm here. And I, I've been doing that very intentionally because I believe that this church has been positioned to give one of the greatest representations of the gospel of the kingdom that this world has ever seen. Our unity in our diversity is one of the greatest witnesses to the gospel. Our world is telling us we need to be divided based on our differences right now. And when people who are supposed to be divided are united with all their, their idiosyncrasies and differences and nuances and experiences and tastes, some of us like Aki and Saltfish like me and some of us like, I don't know, pita bread. But we all come together around Jesus. Do you know that's why they started calling them Christians? Because they said all these people, if you read there in Acts chapter 11, these were people that were at each, historically were at each other's throats in the Gentile world, but they all were in peace and in unity and in peace, shalom, together in Christ. They said, all, all they ever talk about is Jesus. To the point where it almost annoyed the Gentile world, and they said, all those, those Christians. Are you getting that accusation? I want that accusation. 
And this is why I am so hungry for us as as a beautiful representation of the kingdom of God to be a disciple-making movement. Not just a place to gather, which is wonderful. I love coming here and worshiping with you guys. I needed you guys today. Amen? But we are called to be a movement of disciple-makers, people that are in your spheres of influence right now. God has placed them there. I want to ask you, who's your three? Who's your Peter, James, and John? Who are you doing life with? And here's the last thing I'll say as we close. Our unity and diversity is so beautiful. It's, it, it's one of the reasons why I cannot stand for the denigration of any of my brothers and sisters in the human family, particularly those that are coming from Africa, El Salvador, or Haiti. We are all called to Jesus Christ, and that's why the Seventh-day Adventist message in Revelation chapter 14 says they come from every nation, every tribe, and every kindred. Because one of the most powerful representations of the gospel is people that are supposed to be at each other's throat are reconciled in Christ. Are you hungry for that? Do you want that? I believe we're poised for it. And I think if we're hungry, Jesus. Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.